Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. along on this Wednesday and if we take a over our shoulder look at the season just completed folks the Missouri Tigers we did not have expectations collectively they lost two games they lost one game where Jaden Daniels went out and did Jaden Daniels stuff and then they lost in Athens by single digits um that's not nothing again especially for a program that we talked about did not have expectations for and boy was everything pointing north in como want to welcome on right now good friend of the program from power mizzou it's gerard hamilton gerard welcome back how are you doing well how about yourself uh nothing but good i I just want to get a kind of a final snapshot on last season because the only way you get where i just talked about uh the most likely way at least in modern times is you've got a quarterback really humming it why was brady cook at least i'll say so much better than folks outside of columbia missouri were expecting him to be last year well first and i feel like this goes under the radar and it shouldn't he didn't play 97% of the snaps with a torn, you know, labrum in his throwing shoulder, which is what he did in 2022. Um, he only was healthy for first the first game and maybe the first quarter, quarter and a half of the second game, and he played the rest of the season with the messed up shoulder, and he didn't get uh, surgery into the offseason. So, obviously, being healthy and healed from that, that helps. Um, Kirby Moore's offense, I don't know, something about having Kirby Moore come over from Fresno State um, it just helped. It just did wonders. It just felt like it built a, a better rapport for him. He got a better understanding. I mean, it was his second season being a starter, so that helps. And then, in, you know, when you got a Luther Burden out there, uh, when you got a Theo Weiss who can make plays in the red zone, and then when you got Cody Schrader running the ball, everything gets easier for you. So when you kind of combined all of that, uh, it makes for the season Brady Cook had uh, this past fall. I want to wrap up on defense as well because I've said this over the past couple of seasons. Mizzou's been all kinds of nasty. Um, I don't know, a couple of NFL cornerbacks, that's a good place to start. Um, Mm -hmm. Can I ask you just to give a preview? Because we got, I mean, stations all over NFL where NFL teams are. Um, Talk about the two corners going into the draft because one of them might even be a first-round draft pick. Um, Just a couple of studs to hang out there in man coverage if you want. Yeah, yeah. Chris Abrams Drain, uh, and it's right straw with the, la- uh, the latter one being the one that's kind of being mocked around that first round. I mean, there were a couple of studs. And so with KAD, you got somebody, he's, he's pretty physical. You know, they can, like you said, they can play man. Um, and so he was getting targeted a lot, you know, last year, and he, he made good on it. I mean, he had three or four interceptions, you know, 12, 13 uh, pass breakups. And teams really had to pick their poisons, or pick their poison playing with him. So while KAD is getting all the, you know, all these reps, people are not throwing towards Ennis. And so his stat line isn't as strong. He doesn't get the, the All-American selections or the first team, you know, the All-SEC or whatever recognition, but he should have. And so that's one of those things where you look at a stat line and you may be going through like, 
you know, who are we prepping for? If you're not obviously, you know, an opposing team, but if you're just a fan or something, you're like, oh, man, it's just KAD. He's the one guy we've got to avoid. Well, no, it's really in his rake straw. He's another guy. So those terrific uh, defensive backs, they, they got defensive lineman, Darius Robinson, yeah. another guy that's been, you know, mentioned around that first round, you know, into the first round, early second round. Uh, he played defensive tackle in 2022, 2023 played defensive end and had a career year, a, a great year. So, I mean, they had a lot of studs on defense. And if you're, if you're on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, you see a lot of reports about Missouri players at the senior bowl, even though it's just the first day of practice playing very well. So, I mean, that defense was crazy uh, the last couple of years, especially this past season. Yeah, 285 and athletic off the edge is just frightening. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know what you're supposed to do with that. All right, well, let's talk about the ability to replicate that because the D.C., and God bless him, all right, you got a chance to move on up, and he did to Baton Rouge, $2.5 a year, you say yes. Uh, All right, so Eli pivots, goes down to South Alabama and gets the D.C. there. Uh, Talk about Corey Batoon and what Mizzou fans can expect based on what you know. So, yeah, he's he's got a lot of experience over 30 years. You know, coaching football. He's been a defense coordinator uh, a couple times. He's coached under Hugh Freeze three times. He's coached under Lane Kiffin. So he's been under some, you know, high profile names. And so at South Alabama, he was there from 2021 to 2023 under Kane Womack, who, you know, just got the DC job at Alabama. And the defense just got better every year. 2021, they were the 40th uh, ranked defense. 22 they were 36 and then this past year all the way to 15 and i know a lot of people are saying well like south alabama uh you know sundell conference or whatever and i get that but you still gotta play you still gotta play the game you gotta play who's in front of you and so if you can make that consistent improvement year after year that's promising um he doesn't have in his title as safeties coach but he has uh, a lot of experience you know coaching defense defensive back specifically safety so um, and that's what Blake Baker did when he was here. He was a D.C. and safeties coach. Um, I expect uh, Corey to kind of fulfill that role, even though it's not in title. Um, but, yeah, he, he runs a similar four-two-five that uh, Blake was running. He also runs a bit of the three-three-five. And You know, Missouri has the personnel to run that. Now, they've got a lot of new pieces. they got some transfers coming in. They're going to have um, some – some younger players, you know, expected to kind of step up this year. The last couple of years, they've had a lot of veteran pieces come back, so they didn't have to worry about that. They're going to have some moving parts, but I still expect this defense to, you know, play pretty well and be, you know, at worst, no lower than a top 65-type defense, you know, middle-of-pack FBS defense. Gerard Hamilton, wrapping up, PowerMizzou.com. Have you sat back and rattled around your gray matter that you are covering a program that, honestly, I think it's as likely as Oklahoma or Ole Miss or whoever else to be a playoff team? That's that's fun. Oh, it is fun. It is fun. But I tell people this, even when they were 6-6, and uh, it's fun. You know, we cover college football, and it's it's a serious thing, but at the same time, (laughs) it's not, you know, the most serious thing in the world. But when they're winning, when they're playing better, Fans are happy. They're a little bit nicer, <laughs> so it's 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 much cooler. And, and the experiences to go to places like the Cotton Bowl is is awesome. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a fun time if you're a Missouri football fan. Just kind of watch your team do this, and I get to cover it. 
Oh, Gerard, I've been to a Sugar Bowl. I've been to an Independence Bowl. The media gift at the Sugar Bowl is way, way better. So, yeah. Oh, there's, yeah. Oh, there's yeah. A little... The Cotton Bowl the cotton bowl and the Gasparilla Bowl. Big differences. <laughs> uh, wrapping up, a couple of big picture things here. Uh, let's talk about in-state recruiting because I had always just jumped in the chorus when they, you know, joined the SEC. Oh, they've got to go elsewhere to recruit. And they do. In-state recruiting is either picking up in Missouri or else it was always pretty good and we just didn't realize it. Um, give me your pulse of high school seniors coming out of the state of Missouri. Because, now, you still got to get them or it doesn't do Eli any good, but um, they're representing this year after maybe in 23, not as much, but there's good in-state high school talent there. Yeah, um, I think, well, obviously winning – Wayne definitely helps you start getting even if though even though a lot of people are saying like oh Ryan Wingo that's the, the guy yeah. who's getting to make your Jeremiah McClellan and stuff like that you know that Williams with Nary thing uh, that that kind of that kind of started well actually you go back you know Luther Burden that started it you know but I think the momentum has just been going on since Williams with Nary committed in August they had, they had a good season with that and they're starting to get they're starting to pick up some steam and. I know we're talking about in-state guys, but when you think about some of the four-step, you know, some four-star guys, they're getting some out-of-state. I think that helps too, in a way, because you're getting the in-state guys, and people kind of expect that. At least people from other states, they're expecting you to get the guys from your state. But then when you start, when you know, when you're having a good season and you're getting your guys, other prospects from other places, they start calling up these guys that you don't think have connections, but they all do in some way. You know, how's it up there? What's going on? You know, why are you staying? You have a chance to go to whatever other SEC school or whatever, whatever, whatever power five school. And they're like, well, you know, Eli got something cooking up here. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's working in, a, a mul- you know, multiple facets. And it's not just the in-state kids. Um, it's the out-of-state kids. But the in-state kids are helping get some of these bigger prospects from, you know, out-of-state. So it's kind of just a rolling ball of momentum. All right, so look at Gerard Hamilton's Magic 8-Ball. What will your next Wednesday look like? Are you going to be busy, or is it just going to kind of come and go and you may send out a few tweets? Is there a lot of work for Eli and the staff to get done by next Wednesday? Um, Not not too – not to me. Their their roster for right now is pretty good. Um, I I just know, like – Maybe it's like a best player available type situation, you know, or if there's, I don't think there's, I don't think they're expecting anybody to come up. I feel like their class is done. And then when they, portal opens, if somebody absolutely is like, oh, you can't miss, then they'll do that. But I don't think there is something where they're just like, we need this or we have to sign this guy. I think they're pretty happy with their class and they're happy with their roster overall unless something, a big change happens in their program or maybe somewhere else. So I think the roster is pretty good where it's at. Man, you move on from the most accomplished, longest tenured coach in program history, and then two coaches later, you're sitting here, man. Uh, not a bad place for Missouri fans to be. Gerard, I appreciate the expertise, friend. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, we take a quick break. Continue. More Chuck Oliver Show next. Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. We roll along on 
this Wednesday. Chuck Oliver Show, talking college football like we do every single day. And there was a, I'll say an incident. That's a kind of a catch-all word. Incident, just it was an event. It was a happening, it was whatever, at a BYU-Texas game. And Texas basketball. The University of Texas, in this case, did not lose their minds and start complaining and get kids kicked out of an auditorium. If you didn't see what happened, there were some kids at a BYU game uh, versus Texas, and they were wearing T-shirts with horns down on it. And so those kids either changed their shirts or, I guess, left. And so Texas, there was a lot more attention. Oh, horns down. Why are you you paying so much attention to it? And that's a fair response. They shouldn't be paying that much attention to it. I don't really care what's on your shirt. Um, I hope Texas, I mean, my goodness, don't play at Cameron Indoor. So I have just a little bit of advice, and it was just the latest incident of a story involving opposing fans or players or someone – given the horns down and then the response from either Texas or a governing body. There is a series of incidents where someone with a slant to the opponent has gone horns down. And then there's the reaction, the response. This is the latest. I'm putting all that aside. I don't care about all the, whatever my advice for the new folks down the street (laughs) about your drama You running to Birmingham will not get the response that you have been used to from the Big 12. And what I'm saying is officially sanctioning, specifically because it's horns down. In UT's previous conference, if you didn't know, uh, where they were king daddy to all, including Oklahoma. And if you don't, go look at the TV distribution. So they they were not all for one, one for all. In the previous conference... The stance was clear, and it was on the record. It was in black and white. You do horns down to the opponent. No, do not celebrate versus a Texas player with that. Do not do that. Penalty to the Texas crowd or your own crowd. The Big 12 announced case-by-case details involved, but, yes, that will be a penalty if game officials decide Folks, and it was. Now, go back, and I'm reading from on a case-by-case details involved. But, yes, that will be a penalty if game officials decide. That was John McDay. Excuse me. That was the Big 12 previously. John McDade is the SEC director of officials. And he went the other way. I'm going to read you again. The Big 12's black and white language. Doing horns down to the opponent. You cannot. That's a penalty. Doing it to the Texas crowd or even your own crowd on your own bench. Big 12 announced. There, we will look at the details of it. But yes, even that can be a penalty. The Big 12 essentially detailed every way that you could get yourself in trouble and get an unsportsmanlike call, and we're going to make sure everybody knows about it. Big 12 publicly stated all the ways you could be penalized. Nashville last summer, John McDade, SEC Director of Officials, he went the other way. 
stating all the ways it would not be called. Quote, it's a difference between a player giving a signal directly in the face of an opponent as opposed to doing it with teammates celebrating after a touchdown or on the sideline to his crowd, etc. Every single occurrence is not an act of unsportsmanlike conduct. Um, if you recall, a couple years back, Alabama, they did not play well that day in Austin, won the game, gave horns down to every human in burnt orange in the stadium. It wouldn't surprise me if, like, Cameron Latu was flashing horns down to Bevo. Saban lost his mind because he does not like that stuff. Texas fans gripe for a fine, but the Big 12 had to let everybody know they're not in our conference, can't find them. And at that point, the SEC had no policy about it. Big 12 policy was clear. We're going to let you know every way that flag's coming down. SEC, to this point, has been clear as well. We're going to see it, and it's not necessarily an act of unsportsmanlike conduct, so there are a lot of ways that you could see that. In fact, here's a list of ways that you could see horns down that really won't qualify in most cases. Uh, it will be a little bit different reception. Now, here's the thing. It's up to Texas, completely within their control. This doesn't even have to ever be a thing. I, I, winning will help that. I don't think that the crowd in Starkville will be all about the horns down if you put like a 50-burger on them. But when, so winning, just winning the game and moving on. will. Be, but here's the thing that you tell like your first grader. Look the other way. Pretend. Act. For 60 minutes, get in a different spot. Football is the one sport I've always said. I put my hands on you. I can move you. I can beat you up. That physical part of the run game, if you're given in to alignment at the beginning of the game, brother, you just became a target. You're going to take it all day. You're going to take it all day. They're going to find – everybody's going to find you. Same thing with horns down. They're the crowd you can get to. Horns down. Oh, look at those mental midgets. Goodness gracious. Hey, how's the Wednesday going, brother? You know, I, the more I, I read about what's going on with this Tennessee thing, Chuck, the more I'm interested in it. The uh, The governor of Tennessee has put out a statement talking about uh, supporting the suit that the attorney yep. general has filed. And here's the thing that I guess I'm taking away from this, Chuck, is how much it seems like things have changed with Tennessee. I mean, you, you think about that program and where that program has been. And we're not talking about in ancient times. We're talking about within the last few years. You had the fiasco with trying to hire Shiano and then the the rebellion to push him out and not let him be the hire, as it turned out. You had an AD trying to hire Leach, Fulmer working yeah. to get the AD job instead for himself. Yeah, it cost him his job. I mean, all these different things. This was a group that, again, okay, you got your guy, you got John, uh, you got Jeremy Pruitt, but you have a leak in the middle of the game against Texas A&M that's saying, hey, we got a problem here. Uh, the way that it all played out was bad. You had, you had Kevin Steele was interim coach for a month. I mean, you had, you had so much different crap that has happened at Tennessee. Like If we were ranking, regardless of resources, forget about resources. If we just had said programs that have their stuff together – one to 14 in the SEC. Chuck, I would say it's probably Auburn and Tennessee in most people's perceptions that we've been battling it out for the programs that are least 
on structure, everybody's pulling the rope in the same direction, right? I mean, doesn't that sound pretty fair based on the body of work for the last few years? Guilty. And and here we are, all of a sudden, Tennessee hasn't even gotten their notice of allegations yet. And you have everybody. You have political figures. You have the attorney general filing a lawsuit. You have the university chancellor. Everybody is on the same page right away before they've even gotten the notice. I, I, if nothing else, I'm impressed by that just because that is so completely 180 from what we associate with how the decision-making processes have gone in Tennessee. And that's been for decades. I mean, they, they had presidents that got uh, run out the door because they were having issues in their personal life. They've had all kinds of different stuff with the basketball programs through the years. I mean, that's just been a place that some places do things really tight and tidy and some places are a mess. And Tennessee is normally a mess. And, and at least on this, they're aligned. And that is interesting to me. To rally against the NCAA has always been a doable thing with a fan base or, I don't know, a state government. Um, but in modern days, when, see, at least the NCAA, they were kind of consistent. We're just, just don't do anything and stay off our radar and do not lie to us. Um, it got so lenient. They didn't change anything for, I don't know, 150 years. Then they changed everything about six months and walked away. Um, and now they're trying to enforce some stuff. So it's always been easy to rally against the NCAA. That's Oklahoma and Georgia in 1984 with the CFA. Um, now like even the common, like I'll say cop quote, common fan, a a casual fan, who goes to one game a year and just because of the whatever, everyone understands what's going on right now with the NCAA and the wildly inconsistent nature of all this. The other thing I'm wondering about is, has anybody heard from Mark Emmert a second since he left that job with the NCAA? Please. That guy, the, the amount of money that guy got paid, somebody needs to sue that guy and force him to give back some money to help pay for all these different judgments the NCAA is going to be doing it. It is inexcusable what that man made to be in that job for 13 years. Absolutely ridiculous salary and complete incompetence in every way. And two days before NIL was taking effect from laws, just kind of threw up his hand and said, I don't know, do what you do. What a joke. He was making $15 million a year. Have you ever actually had a drink out of a coconut with an umbrella in it? It's fantastic. I've had that one time. I've had a drink in a coconut with an umbrella. He does that every day just because i don't know oh look it's 215 bring the drinks support for extra 106.3 comes from natural body spa and skin remedy celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in store and online you can discover mother's day and anniversary presents online at natural body spa and skin remedy at naturalbody.com spring is here and baseball is back you can't forget the derby i love the hats Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia.
Catch the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Rolling through Wednesday, they don't have some college football conversation. This is Chuck Oliver Show. Nine states in 66. I appreciate the blessing, folks. I don't. I, I want to say I don't know why this is. I think I do because of the wild, crazy nature of this one position. Like, uh, let's go through and name all the wide receiver coaches through history. You're like, what? How about special teams coaches? And you can start thinking of like uh, Bobby April, crazy Joe Avizano. Uh, we know special teams coaches for some reason. And I say for some reason, it's usually because they'll dress all in black and they'll chest bump or headbutt or, you know, whatever. I'm crazy. Um, Joe DeCamillis has been a special teams stud coach for a few decades now. And he is back in football. He is actually in college football in the SEC at South Carolina, replacing Pete Limbo, who just left to go be head coach. Uh, leaving Shane Beamer with the need to hire someone. So I was looking forward to who he was going to hire because he knows special teams, but Joe DeCamillis was not necessarily the name I was looking at. I want to welcome on right now, among other topics, we'll work that out from the bigspur.com and also inside the Gamecocks podcast is J.C. Sherber. J.C., welcome back to the program. How's your Wednesday? Hey, Chuck. Thanks for having me on. Good to hear your voice again. And uh, my Wednesday is going swimmingly. I appreciate your time today. Uh, Joe D, uh, Joe D Camillus. He's one of those special teams coaches that we just, for whatever reason, that one position, we know who the guys are. He's got a resume. I mean, he's an OG. He's got skins on the wall. Uh, talk about how this unfolded. Yeah, it was kind of surprising in a way to me. Um, uh, it, it made sense kind of when you go back and, and trace it, uh, you know, there's a lot of college coaches now, but beating down the door to get in the NFL because of the way college football is. And there's kind of like this group, and a lot of them have had ties to South Carolina that uh, have been in the league for a long time, and they want to go give college a try. Dowell Loggins, Carolina's OC, was in for 20 years and came back and sort of paid his dues as an analyst. You have um, uh, Freddie Kitchens, who took the tight ends job yeah. at North Carolina. Um, and then uh, Joe D. Camillus was an analyst at Texas under Sark last year, and you know he's a guy that's been nothing but NFL. Uh, certainly, though, uh, I think that when you talk about the, the the gurus in that department, and you're a pro football fan at all, and I grew up a Falcons fan and a Broncos fan when Elway was there. I mean, everybody knows the name Joe D. Camillus. He's certainly not lacking for energy, which I think is important with college kids when you're coaching special teams. Um, and, you know, we'll see how he does. I, I think that uh, it's just sort of a different hire. I know Shane Beamer likes coaches that have NFL experience. He uses that on the recruiting trail. Um, you know, and, and what, what kind of means something to me personally, to people that have followed the Carolina program for years, is that he's Dan Reeves' son-in-law. Dan Reeves, of course, was one of the all-time greats at South Carolina. And certainly, you know, as a Falcons fan, I pulled for him and um, with the Broncos and everywhere else. So uh, it's kind of kind of cool to have the late Coach Reeves' son-in-law there uh, at South Carolina again, just to kind of a like a, a pseudo tribute to him and, you know, what he meant to football over the years. 
All right. So for decades, when a high school kid signed his scholarship, immediately they strapped cinder blocks to your ankles. Like, you are not leaving. You're, you're here, man. You're trapped. We got you. That's not how it is anymore. So we all understand about transfers, et cetera. All right. Against that backdrop, South Carolina in state this year, four of the top five, five of the top nine. I know about the portal, but still, that's not nothing. And it's a pretty good state, and that includes offensive linemen. So work me through that, JC. How, how has this unfolded? Yeah, South Carolina's done pretty well in the state uh, the last three cycles. You know, Clemson, Clemson tries to compete in the state, but they, they really don't – they don't focus on it as much as they used to. They're in North Carolina, Georgia, nationally, because it's just kind of where their program's at. Now, for 2025, Clemson's ahead of South Carolina right now. They've already got two commits. But 2024, it just so happened to be one of those years that the state had two really good offensive linemen, including a five-star offensive tackle and Josiah Thompson. South Carolina got them both. Um, and I think we've seen through the years that when South Carolina does – keep their top talent at home even if some go to clemson the program tends to cycle up it's when they hemorrhage players uh through the year it, it, when they tend to cycle down like back in the 90s they were terrible and, and you had everybody from richard seymour georgia to sean ellis at tennessee uh etc cetera, etc cetera. so um alex barron at florida state you know and, and that doesn't happen anymore in the state so i think that's always a positive sign if you're looking forward to the future. The high school group is really good, only 16 guys, but top to bottom, it's a very quality group uh, heading to Columbia. We've all seen the recruiting rankings, J.C., that, you know, um, number 12 in America, um, nine in the SEC. Um, what do the Gamecocks <laughs> still have ahead of them, ahead, like another seven days left? Uh, is the hay in the barn? I believe most of the hay is in the barn. Uh, I know they're going to kind of look for another receiver, maybe one other position player uh, in the second wave of the transfer portal. Uh, but high school-wise, unless somebody comes out of nowhere, uh, they're probably looking at some walk-ons, signing some sort of paperwork on Wednesday, but they're pretty much done. And Yeah, that's how it's been for a little bit. Uh, you know, at Carolina, it seems like every other year there's one guy that waits. And so Jordan Birch was that guy in 2018 and 2019, and then um, uh, I guess 2020, actually. And then Nicholas Harbor last year, of course, was a guy that went all the way to the second signing day and made a big splash. But there's nobody out there like that this year. They, they did a pretty good job of locking those guys up early and then after a disappointing season, keeping them committed, most importantly. When you say walk-on, is there a typical profile? Because I think a kid who could go to Furman or Charleston Southern for free, but he's like, no, dang it, I know I'm an SEC player, so I'm going to go prove it. Um, is that the kid you're talking about, or is it another case? Like a baseball yeah, player, maybe? Or... Yeah, there's some kids like that, some kids that want to try other sports. Um, but, yeah, it, it's you know, South Carolina, the state has – a bunch of FCS level programs, uh, and then of course Coastal's now FBS. But they're, the guys like that that you know could go to Furman, Walford, Citadel, something like that. Newberry. They want to come try Newberry, PC, Presbyterian, Charleston Southern. Um, you know, and they want to come try it. And 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 you know nowadays with the Alston money, and South Carolina does give the full allotment of Alston money. That's not limited to scholarship players. That's academic money you can give anybody on the team. So. They got good grades. 
you know, they're already getting, you know, five grand worth of scholarship money to come on in and, you know, get in state tuition and other kinds of perks. So uh, they have a, they've had a, done a pretty good job getting some walk-ons in there that are really good players that could probably play at a lower level uh, through the years. And, um, heck, one may – Peyton Mangrum may start this year at receiver, so he, he's a former walk-on. So uh, they do a pretty good job with those guys. Folks, I prep him for none of this. It's just when it comes to the Carolina program and SEC football sort and kind of you know, college football in whole. Uh, he just knows what it is, man. Uh, inside the Gamecocks podcast, BigSpur.com. Hangs out with that Mike Morgan guy. No accounting for taste, but whatever. Um, <laughs> let's talk about name image likeness because getting Rattler was kind of a coup, I thought. And that kid had two cars at Oklahoma. Um, and then back for another year was not nothing and Nicholas Harbor, et cetera. So South Carolina has sort of dotted the name image likeness headlines with some very high profile successes. Where do they rank in the sec on name? We just talking about traditional recruiting. What about name image likeness? Well, <laughs> they got a long way to go and a short time to get there. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I'm, uh, I know a lot about this particular subject in South Carolina because I own a collective. And so it's, uh, they've done a really good job taking care of the headliners. Uh, lucky when they, when they got Spencer, they're sort of fortunate in the sense that that's before NIL in football became this huge deal. And he had a lot of stuff he brought with him. You know, he had a lot of deals that he already was making and stuff. And then, you know, the situation at Carolina was perfectly fine. But uh, I'd, I'd say, Chuck, it's gone from bottom of the league when you're talking about Texas, Oklahoma, everybody, to probably getting up more towards the middle of the pack. But, uh, you know, compared to like an old Miss situation, uh, they dwarf South Carolina. And, you know, those two fan bases are similar. And, you know, Carolina's actually a larger fan base from a larger state. But demographically, lots of lawyers, lots of businessmen. You know, there's no reason why South Carolina can't be as good as Ole Miss in the NIL space. And I think in time uh, they will build something sustainable. They just kind of got behind early uh, like a lot of schools did and playing catch up. But so far, you know, with with some of the big guys, it it hadn't hurt them. And they had a good portal class they brought in this year. And so, uh, you know, I think things are are turning out for the better. But there's still a big need right there to kind of get everybody on the same page with NIL in South Carolina. If I could comment a little bit on that, because I've always said, you know, it's just a general measure. And if you look at, you know, in endowment, you can't spend the money, but it just shows you about the school and look at Rice or look at Marshall. It's different. Um, that was always about the endowment. I actually look now at what builds the endowment, which do you have a med school? Do you have a law school? That actually, to me, is more instantly applicable in the name image likeness era than over the decades and centuries by building an endowment um talk about that we got a med school we got a law school because i mean that's who's graduating and got cash yeah south carolina is a med school law school and their math their their graduate their business graduate programs like number one in the country in international business so there's 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 some there's some people that make money now uh is, is it is it the most affluent uh, alumni base of the country. No, it's not even close. And it's probably more because of the size. Uh, you know, a place like Texas is going to dwarf South Carolina just because, hey, it's in Texas. There's more people that care. There's more people that go to school there. Um, but but it's, 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 not a, it's not a school that's 
necessarily hurting overall, you know, when you talk about the whole big picture academically endowment stuff, it's just, the University of South Carolina is a $1.3 billion a year enterprise. Um, so it's, 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 they're not hurting, um, over the years, it's been, you know, how do you stru- more like structure alignment is very important to get right at South Carolina because it's been misaligned through the years. Um, you know, had getting people on the same page with it. It's more of the how and the process and then the application of it more so than I think the raw resources that are there. I, you know, like I said, I don't think there's any reason why, South Carolina can't have as good of a situation as Ole Miss at the very least. Agree with you on that one. Um, and they don't even lose the numbers game in state recruiting. Well, Will Muschamp, I don't think I ever talked to him where he didn't quote me the in-state population. Six and a half million people in the entire state. I was like, I got it. Um, so, but you can you don't lose that to Ole Miss or Mississippi State. So, JC, I appreciate you coming on, buddy. Hey, hey, thank you so much. I appreciate you, Chuck, and have a great day. Yes, sir, JC Sherbert. And just uh, talking South Carolina football and beyond that. Yeah, that was Will. He was, uh, we're going to recruit Florida. We're going to recruit the Atlanta area. Six and a half million people. And I don't even know how many people are in South Carolina. Maybe it was six and a half million people. But he said six and a half million people in the state of South Carolina, six and a half million people in Atlanta. We got to get to Atlanta. I was like, uh, yeah, everybody knows that. But it's more, getting to Atlanta is great. There are a lot of places you can get to. You only have one backyard. And so a very unusual occurrence. I mean, literally just spinning the hopper and blind, you reach in and you pull out the state of South Carolina out of the 50 nifty. Um, There, there is no realistic expectation that in back-to-back years, the state of South Carolina will have the number one high school player in America. That is just a, and that was, I think, that was Lattimore and Clowney. Heath, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, they got, they got Lattimore, Clowney. You had uh, Gilmore. You had Dalshon Jeff. You had a weird year of, of a, a lot of high, high-end talent in that state right at one time. And, and when you have five stars in state, well, okay, now you got a shot, more of a shot at a kid. Um, but when you have the number one player in America, and it just he, – he got on a run, man. And recruiting was – he always was successful in recruiting, but nobody ever said, you know, Steve Spurrier, man, we got a video. We got to make an instructional video about how he builds a recruiting class. Um, he made it happen, but it was an unusual beyond all bounds senior class to have the number one kid in America in Spartanburg. Just doesn't happen. And then again, so in a normal regular year, you have to go outside. Um, but when you have a case where you just you cleaned up and at positions you wanted, whether the kid was in South Carolina or Texas or Arizona, doesn't matter. Um, it's a really good commentary, really is. And then the special teams thing. I mean, Beamer, that's one thing. Whether I don't know if we think we popped out of the womb knowing how to block a PAT, but we assign some sort of credit to. Oh well, a, and now it's not even Frank Beamer. It's oh, a Beamer hired him. Uh, he must know special teams. Well, Joe Dean knows special teams, I can promise you. And high energy, he's mainline in Red Bull. Um, and the connection, as he said, to Dan Reeves, where he was in Atlanta with Dan when he got the job in the late 90s and was on that Super Bowl staff, et cetera. So I, he's got the, the NFL resume just as long as your arm and had been an advisor. Is that right, advisor to Sark maybe? So whatever. 
Uh, Joe D's experience, and he knows everything, and even the change in the rules for the onside kick. He can navigate that. So we're going to break. We will wrap up next. More college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. I think ball games are great, and I love them and look forward to them. But you know, at, at what point now? You know, if a you know a high level program loses their third or fourth game and they're out of playoff consideration, do players just stop playing then? You know, the the, the calendar is messed up right now. This is yes. Now, who's speaking? I promise you it's someone connected deeply to the college football on-field product every Saturday, and he has a vote that matters. Uh, He is the head coach of an ACC program. That's Wake Forest head coach Dave Clawson, so that's him. He's on my – yeah, calendar's messed up. Uh, Yeah, it is. Calendar is messed up as far as kids who are kind of forced – if they're going to make a, a – I was going to say more informed. maybe may have been informed the first time. If the kids are going to make an informed decision on a transfer or knows I'm going to the league after this season and I've already flashed, got my touches, put my stats up, he says, are they going to pull the plug, parachute out? But absolutely going to. The answer is yes. It's already happened. The idea that – Again, I brought it up. It was, I think it was Marcus Lattimore was the first one, and that was actually, boy, hindsight. But then Jadavion Clowney, sort of was a yearly thing. Oh, this kid's already shot. He should sit out until the draft. Um, that's happening now. It's already happening now. It was under the guise of COVID, and it was called, I'm just going to, what was it? Because I'm going to sit out or opt out. I'm opting out. No, you quit for maybe some good reasons maybe you were terrified to step outside and if that was you and your values rock on you made your choice and i mean that seriously um for a lot of kids it was nah, i'm gonna opt out i've already put up my numbers and got my tape and for some kids mike parsons jamar chase didn't really matter not as far as getting drafted and producing hey what's going on man this is a, a name i wanted to bring up on today's show chuck that we uh, we don't normally talk when we're talking about college football, about the guys who aren't either coaching it or playing it. Once in a while, maybe another administrator comes up. But yesterday, a name said goodbye that I think needs to get a mention here. Georgia Senior Associate Athletics Director Claude Felton has announced his retirement after 45 years with Georgia. Now, again, most people listening to us will never interact with Claude Felton and never have interacted with Claude Felton. But, Chuck, you know the deal here. Uh, the person who we call maybe an SID is the person who deals with the media to try and provide coverage for the program you care about. Whatever it is, if you've ever asked as a fan, hey, how come this program or that program got that great feature with the ESPN on game day or, or this big piece in Sports Illustrated or the big local piece in the paper, how come my school doesn't get something like that? Well, the answer typically is, some combination of either the SID doesn't want to help someone get the access that will give you that story, or the SID cannot convince the coach, more likely, to give them the access that will get you that story. It's not the SID's fault, but the SID is the person who's between the two. You know, the coaches frequently want to channel. give as little Here's access as possible, 
and and the media obviously wants as much access as possible, and they're the ones who try to make it happen. It is a tough job, and we will not see this ever again, Chuck. Somebody serving 45 years at a program, the stature of Georgia. I mean, Claude Felton's been there for all of it, back to back to Herschel. He's been there for literally every second of it. Uh, just an extraordinary career, and uh, finally choosing to say goodbye. He will be missed. Uh, exemplary representative for Georgia with the media over the years. No one, not a single person that does what Claude does anywhere has more trust and goodwill for the media than that man does. 1979 was his first year on the job, on that job, and he has stayed since. He was there for the 1980 National Championship and then also the two uh, from the past couple of seasons. And you're right, it's not an easy job, and most of the time it's bad news that you give somebody because the coach just either can or won't or something. Um, But it goes beyond, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. He was just always so professional and personal in all of it. And... You're correct. Um, celebrate Claude. Just a really, really just nice human. Um, and I wish we could throw him in a Xerox machine and hit, you know, copy. All right. Wraps it up on that Wednesday. Hey, fantastic. Thank you so much. David on the ones and twos doing what he does. Appreciate all the guests and everybody listening. It's just been a wonderful experience. So what we're going to do is we'll all take 22 hours and go... Catch your breath, recharge the batteries, and rejoin tomorrow for more college football conversation right here on Chuck Oliver Show. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart, and there needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomcloset.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. 